Unofficial Bengals Podcast. Welcome to the Unofficial Bengals Podcast. This is your host, Frank LaPlaca, and I'm a Bengals fan for life. All right, this episode is going to be a preview of the Cincinnati Bengals-Dallas Cowboys game for this Sunday. We're going to have Chris Del Gordio, CDG, come by to both talk about his idea for the playoffs and to preview the Dallas Cowboys. Tom McLevy's going to stop in for another McLevy minute. And Sands is going to come by with his expert football analysis as well. The Unofficial Bengals Podcast is brought to you by the Zedia Network. Week 14 Preview Cincinnati Bengals versus Dallas Cowboys. All right, the Cowboys are coming off a Tuesday night game, a rare Tuesday night game. So they're coming into this game with like four and a half days rest. Their linebacking core struggled in that game, got a little bit beat up. So the first play of the game, here's what we do. You have Boyd split out to the left, Green split out to the right. Sample as the tight end, Carter as the H-back, and Samaje Pirine as the running back. Power play right up the middle. Let's go right at those linebackers. Let's test them with a tight end and an H-back blocking. Probably get a 4-5 or five yard gain out of this the way those guys were playing last game. Second play, four wides, now Geo's in the backfield. We get A.J. Green involved early with that skinny post that's been really successful. Maybe like a nice 12-yard pass. I'm sure by now we have a first down, but regardless of that, we're going to go five wides, and now we're going to get Tyler Boyd involved with a nice slant. Hello, Cowboys. Your secondary and your linebackers are going to be tested this game. All right, so let's go over some headlines for this week. My favorite thing to talk about is Joe Burrow. He's now entering his second week of recovery from the knee injury. I'm hearing that everything's going well. He's in a little bit of pain, which is to be expected, but he's on the right track. I can't wait to get this guy back. Sands told me that Sports Illustrated voted Jesse Bates the most rangy safety in the NFL, and it's true. You see him just going sideline to sideline, no problem, playing center field right from that single high safety, just sprinting to each sideline as needed, sprinting up, stopping the run, just getting totally involved. Yes, he is the most rangy safety in the NFL. And Brandon Allen's playing this week, which is good news. And if you've been watching his game, he's been progressing over the first two weeks. So hopefully this third week, he'll hit a new plateau and really take his game to a higher level. Darius Phillips is back from that groin injury. I'm sure he's going to get some reps at corner this game. You know, I'm not sure how fully recovered he is. It's going to be tough with a groin injury to try to cover these wide receivers, but expect him to get some playing time. And it looks like Alex Redman is also going to be back this week from the concussion. I'm glad he took a few weeks off. Hopefully he's back strong this week, which brings to question the offensive starters for this game. I'll tell you, every week with this offensive line, you don't know who we're going to start. It's almost become like a fun exercise to see if you could predict the five guys that are going to play this game. So I'll take a shot at it. You're going to have Adenergy at left tackle. I think Spain goes back to his natural left guard position. Hopkins in the middle. I think they're going to have Suofilo start this game at right guard. He seems like he's pretty much back to normal and then Bobby Hart at right tackle. Some other injuries to note for the week. We dodged the bullet with Jonah Williams. Apparently there's no torn ligaments in that knee, which is good. It was an ugly-looking play. A pretty bad sprain from what I'm hearing, but you know what? Let's have him sit out the rest of the year, heal up, and he'll be back strong for next season. Not sure if Brandon Wilson's going to play this week with that groin hamstring issue. T. Higgins was limited all week in practice. I'm sure he's going to be back out there. Xavier Williams is nursing that back injury, and I saw it during last game. You know, he was sticking his nose in there in the trenches, and, you know, one of the plays I just saw him kind of awkwardly get up and kind of limp around with his back. So I'm hoping that he heals up. A back injury is no fun. Mackenzie Alexander has not appeared on the injury report, so hopefully he doesn't have a concussion. 
And I keep hearing reports of them thinking about bringing Mixon back. Not a good idea this year. With the offensive line struggling the way they are and him coming off a foot injury, let's just let him get totally healed for next year because he's going to be a bell cow once we get things going next year. And then lastly, some advice for the coaching staff and the front office. I would get some more playing time for the backups, the practice squatters, and the rookies over these next four weeks. You know, they would get a chance to play teams like Baltimore and Pittsburgh, you know, some of the teams that are at the top of the league. So it would be a really good experience for these guys, and it would really let us know if they can make it in the NFL. You know, a couple examples would be Travion Williams. you got to get him some more carries. Stanley Morgan, yes, as a gunner, we got that. But maybe get him some snaps at wide receiver, you know, and see if he can be functional in that capacity. Mason Shrek, I know he had the drop last week, but he is a veteran. Let's, you know, let's test him for the last few games and see how well he blocks, see how well he catches passes under pressure. B.J. Finney's someone to look at. We just don't know anything about him. Hey, he might have a, a good player there. That could be a, a solid rotational backup. Billy Price, you know, you know how I feel about that. Get the man some playing time, please. Winston Rose, I've just been intrigued. They've never brought him up or he hasn't seen any action in any games this year, and I'm, I just want to see what he can do at corner. You know, especially with Sims struggling, Phillips hurt, it might be a good time to just bring him up and see what happens. Jock Patrick, you know, he's a bruiser. Let's get him some carries too, especially against like Pittsburgh and Baltimore. Let's see how he can match up against those really tough teams. You know, maybe he'll be that X factor and surprise them and it'll be a guy that just starts being real physical and bouncing those guys around. Marcus Bailey, they put him in at the end of last game. He was very active. I'd like to see him get some snaps. Akeem Davis-Gaither is getting his share of snaps, but I'd like to see him get some more. You know, he's a rookie. He needs some more experience. So let's get Davis-Gaither some extra snaps. Khaled Kareem, another guy rotational. I'd like to see him play a little bit more as well. And maybe even Austin Siebert. You know, let's let's let him kick for one game and just see. You know, what if he bangs a couple 50-yarders and we realize that, you know, he might be able to push Randy for a spot moving forward? All right, so what are my concerns for this game? When we're on offense, I'm worried about their pass rushers taking a page from the Dolphins, maybe a bunch of stunts coming from that D-line. They're very strong at defensive end and edge rusher. You know, Demarcus Lawrence is having a great year. Alden Smith is always trouble. Griffin and Gregory, I don't know how much they're playing this year, but they're very productive players, you know, very good off the edge. So they have, from what I recollect, four guys that they can put in there that can give you some problems on the outside. And they like to blitz that Donovan Wilson with the safety blitz, which we've shown that we've had a hard time picking up at times. He's got two and a half sacks on the season. So really, my main concerns when we're on offense is going to be the pressure from the front four and blitzing and stunts. All right, so what are my concerns when we're on defense? Well, Ezekiel Elliott, I know he's questionable with the calf injury, but you know he's going to play. And he's trouble, especially running the ball. They used him a lot in the passing game last week as well. Tony Pollard is that dangerous change of pace back that can really give you trouble. And, you know, I predict he's going to get some carries against us. And it always seems like it's that second back and that no-name back which ends up hurting us. So want to watch out for that guy this game. And they have a strong wide receiver core, as we all know. You know, with Amani Cooper, CeeDee Lamb, Michael Gallup. You know, those guys can give you trouble if you don't defense them properly. Dalton Schultz at tight end. Andy Dalton likes to look for him. I'm not predicting he's going to have a monster game like Gasicki or Engram but he could give us some trouble, you know, could get some key first downs in bad moments for us. And then Andy Dalton with the play action. You know, if they get Zeke and Pollard going and we're really protecting against the run, all of a sudden Andy play action zips it downfield to Gallup, and, you know, that could be a handful of problems for us. All right, so what would I do if I was the coaching staff for the Cincinnati Bengals? How would I approach this game offensively? You have to go after that secondary. Diggs, the rookie, is on IR, and he was probably their best corner. They're pretty vulnerable out there. You have Xavier Woods, 
Awuzie, Richard Robinson, Darian Thompson, Jordan Lewis in the slot covering Boyd. Another matchup in our advantage, so this could be another Tyler Boyd game. I almost seem to say that every week, but a lot of teams out there aren't putting a good slot corner. We are with McKenzie, but most teams aren't. Then you have to figure out a way to slow down that pass rush. We have to really make sure that our linemen are all on the same page with those stunts this week. And then in this case, I say with that secondary, you let the ball fly downfield. So I'd like to see them you know, double up on one of the edge rushers, get a chip on them. And hopefully the other edge rusher is neutralized by Bobby Hart or Adenogy, depending on what side. So we keep those edge rushers at bay. We prevent the stunts. And the passing game just opens up. And their linebacking core is something to attack. You know, on paper with Jalen Smith, um, Leighton Vander Esch, even an, an aging Sean Lee, you know, you would think that that's a Pro Bowl set of linebackers they have there, but those guys are struggling. And if you ever get a chance to check out Adrian Ross, ex-Bengal, friend of the show, he does an excerpt called Merc Session. It's really funny stuff. He uses the word Merc after the other team does something well or a linebacker does something stupid. Very informative and very comical. He really, really knows the game. And he was analyzing the Cowboys linebackers from the Tuesday night game, and I couldn't believe how many mistakes they were making. You know, these guys were coming in into the fray and then backing out rather than standing tall. And, you know, you're just watching the Ravens come through for like an eight-yard gain up the middle when if they just kept going forward, they would have been in position. They were missing their gaps on a lot of the plays. There were some alignment issues where they were out of position. Even when they were lining up strong, they had a whole bunch of guys in the box on one side. The Ravens were still able to just run right at them. So that could be an edge for this game. If we can exploit those linebackers the same way the Ravens did, it's going to be a big game for our running backs. And that's why I'd like to see Piran get a bunch of carries this game. And as I said at the top of the show, Jock Patrick. This might be a game for him, a pounder like that. You know, if their linebackers are playing scared, and I don't mean to criticize in that regard, but maybe it's a game for two big bruising backs to be coming at him the whole game. And then Gio and Travion for a change of pace. You know, maybe we, we get him in coverage as well. So yes, attack those linebackers, attack that secondary, protect against that front four, and we have a win this game. All right, so what would I do defensively? You have to put pressure on Andy Dalton. That's the secret to making him make mistakes and turnovers. And you saw it last game. He, he wasn't, when he had time to throw, he was accurate and he was the Andy that we all know and love. When he had pressure, his passer rating went down significantly. They have a good interior offensive line, but the exterior, the tackles, are a little more mediocre. So hopefully Carl Lawson and Sam Hubbard can get going this game. As I always say, a Von Bell blitz or two would really help. And then a couple stunts. Let's give another team what teams are doing to us and maybe send Geno Atkins around, stunting on, on one of those tackles. Boom, he gets through. Big play. They have to key on Zeke Elliott. The Cowboys are going to try to get him involved early. So in the beginning of the game, you're going to have to stack up that box a little bit. And I know that sounds dangerous with, with that wide receiving core, but if you think about it, if Mackenzie Alexander shadows Lamb in the slot, Lamb's not going to have a big game. As Sands is going to explain later in the show, William Jackson on Amari Cooper is a good matchup in our favor, so hopefully we can shut that down. So it's going to be up to Gallup to try to beat our other corners, and if we have Jesse Bates helping out, maybe we can shut that down as well. So think about it. Mackenzie shuts down Lamb, Jackson limits Cooper, and then we double up on Gallup, now you can really focus on Elliott stopping this team, keeping them to a very few amount of points, and winning the game. Special teams, as you know, our special teams are really playing well this year. Kevin Huber is going to be a field position changer for us. You know, Bullock hopefully stays on track, kicks a couple field goals. 
Even with Brandon Wilson out, I still trust Alex Erickson in there. You know, he could pop a big punt return or a kick return at any time. And then the Cowboys special teams, their line was struggling last week. You know, he's definitely a candidate to miss a field goal in this game, or maybe when they're in position to kick like a 52-yarder, they decide not to because the way he was struggling last week. And then the Cowboys coaching staff does something that I think is a little bit questionable. They have C.D. Lamb returning punts, and they have Tony Pollard returning kicks. You know, those are two very important offensive players, and they're putting those guys in a position to get hurt. Now, I know Lamb's explosive, and, you know, you have to watch for him in the punt game. Same thing with Pollard returning kickoffs. You know, that's like having Gio Bernard return kicks and Tyler Boyd return punts. And I know Tyler Boyd can return punts, but that's the last thing that I want to see. All right, so what's my prediction for this game? I'm predicting a low-scoring game. I would take the under. I'm not going to bet the under because I don't want to watch a Bengals game and root for them not to score. But I think the under might be a good bet for those of you that aren't phased by that. So I'm predicting a touchdown to Tyler Boyd. Gio gets a touchdown on a TD run, you know, kind of up the middle, short yardage. We bend, don't break with Ezekiel Elliott. We get to Andy. He, he has a turnover or two. Zerline misses a field goal late. Bengals win 2017. All right, here's CDG's take on what the NFL should do with the playoffs. One thing that's, that's bothered me about the NFL in, you know, going back a while now, but it's, it's more so going to bother me this year, is that you have an extremely weak NFC East division. So you're at a 99.9% chance that a team with a losing record you know, is going to win that division, make the playoffs, get a home game, and there's probably going to be a team with a winning record out there who has played their behinds off, and they're not going to make the playoffs. Something that's been going through my mind for a long time is, why doesn't the NFL seed the teams? Okay, take the top eight teams from each division. Okay, forget about division winners. Keep the divisions for organizational purpose only. But seed the top eight teams. Okay, you, this way you're adding you're adding more more teams to the playoffs, more games, which generates more revenue for the league. But you're getting you're getting the best eight teams in each division. Okay, so there's you know nobody nobody gets a free pass. So you know if you, if you win your division with a losing record and you make the playoffs, it just doesn't sit well with me. That's what I would love to see next season. Seed the top eight teams. One plays eight, two plays seven. And you fight it out and battle it out, and you, you get you get your winner. So the best teams, the teams that have worked the hardest and earned it, make the playoffs. Not just not because you were just lucky enough to win in a bad division. That's what I would love to see for the NFL. I think the fans would like to see that too. McLevy minute. All right, we're here with Tom McLevy. Tom, how are you today? Good, Frank. How you doing, bud? All right, my friend. So what's your opinion on everything that's going on with the Bengals at this point? Uh, it's uh, it's not good. Uh, that was a terrible display what they showed Sunday. I mean, this team is bad. The product they're putting on the field is not good. 30 total yards of offense in the second half. That's coaching. Bottom line, bad coaching. The offensive line's terrible. You know, undisciplined, missing tackles. We said this in previous podcasts. Joe Burrow hit a lot of its problems. Where's the silver lining in all this? The only way 
you can see positive changes coming is if Mike Brown at the end of the year after the last game fires a whole kick and caboodle, including Duke Tobin, Zach Taylor, and all those other guys. Now, the problem is Zach Taylor was the only type of guy that would have taken the Bengal job. Any hot coordinator, any established veteran head coach will not come to Cincinnati due to the fact of Mike Brown. He spent money last year. You can bet he's not going to spend it this year. So it's just going to be a draft. Yes, they had some hits on last year's draft. That's probably what Mike Brown's going to hang his hat on. That, uh, you know, if Joe Burrow was around, we would have had wins. But the issues are so deep on this team, and it's constantly the same thing year after year after year that they are satisfied with mediocrity. You know, it's not going to fly. The fans are upset. Wholesale changes have to happen for this team to move forward. Will it happen? We'll just have to see. We got four games left. Looking at the Jets, I mean, they're coming out. They should have had that win against the Raiders. But like you say, look what happens. The Jets have no wins. A defensive coordinator blows a call that costs the team a win. And what do they do? They fired a defensive coordinator. That would not happen in Cincinnati. We've seen time and time again how this offensive line injured a franchise quarterback and nothing, nothing said, nothing, you know, given. It's because Zach Taylor could not get anybody to fill that role. So we took a guy that was fired for cocaine use, causing a toxic environment in Miami. So he comes to Cincinnati. I mean, it's like he has favorites. Somebody on Twitter posted a play uh, that Bobby Hart had a guy lined up in front of him in, against Miami and nobody else on on the defensive line. It was just Bobby Hart and the guy in front of him and the ball snapped and Bobby Hart just stepped aside and let the guy run free like he expected the guard to pick up the guy. And Bobby Hart was just standing there watching Allen get creamed. I mean... This, it's disgusting. We've been through this year after year after year, but we had a franchise quarterback. We still have him. Hopefully he can come back full strength next year and not become a Carson Wentz. The slow descent into being benched happened in Philadelphia. Just hope and pray that that doesn't happen to Joe Burrow. You know, the Cowboys come in with which was shocking, uh, the the worst defense in the NFL. So, you know, we will see if the Bengals can get a running game going. But, I, I you know, it, it's just, it's just god-awful what Cincinnati's putting on in the field. Wow, Tom, really hot takes as always. I understand your frustration. You know, it's it, we're in pretty crazy times with the way this team is, especially without Joe Burrow. Yeah, you know, Frank, it's, uh, I, you can see the, the, the headlines after the season that, you know, Mike Brown's going to cry poor mouth because of the, uh, the COVID situation. But, you know, every other NFL owner's having the same problems. 
but I'm sure they won't let it affect the way their team's being built, constructed, and still want to put a winning team on the field for the fans. The only remedy I could see is if Mike Brown, after the last game, like I said, fires a whole bunch of them and uh, just moves, moves on. AFC North standings. The Bengals are currently 2-9-1 and, and unfortunately eliminated from any kind of playoff contention. You have the Steelers in first at 11-1, the Browns in second at 9-3, and, and the Ravens in third at 7-5. The Bengals are currently the 14th seed in the AFC, and if the season ended right now, we would have that third pick that we're all wanting. The unofficial Bengals podcast would like to welcome Cowboys expert Crystal Gaudio. All right, we're here with not only one of my dearest friends, but a cowboy expert and maybe the best voice in the business, Chris Del Gordio. Chris, how are you today? Frank, awesome, man. Great to be here with you, bro. Always, uh, always a pleasure talking football with you. Excellent to have you on. So my only question for you for this week is, why are the Cowboys going to beat the Bengals on Sunday? <laughs> And that's and that's that's a good question. Uh, yeah, you know, you know my frustrations with my team right now. We're just uh, we're not playing, not quite playing up to potential. But I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with the fact that we're out. We're out rushing you guys. We're out passing you guys right now. And plus, um, you know, maybe maybe just Andy Dalton has a little something to prove in this game. You know, maybe he's got some magic left in those red locks of his to uh muster up a victory against you guys got a lot of injuries on both sides a lot of questionables on both sides i know we got cameron irving our ot is out uh alden smith our de is questionable anthony brown one of our better quarterback uh, cornerbacks is questionable donovan wilson our safety is out so it's gonna make an already struggling defense have to uh come up with some answers for uh, for a bewildered and beleaguered Bengals offense. But, on, I mean, on a, on, a, on a good point for the Bengals, the, uh, the matchup predictor has you guys at 63.1% to win the game. Um, what do you think the Cowboys are going to do offensively in this game? They're going to try to establish the run game early. If they get Elliott going early, it takes some pressure off of Dalton and that offensive line, you know, our offensive line is, you know, definitely been struggling, not that traditional Dallas O-line that can just take over a game, you know, especially late and just grind that defensive line down. Yeah, I think they're, they're going to have to get Elliott going early and consistently and hopefully free Dalton up to, uh, to complete some passes. Um, I would make adjustments if I was Dallas and I wouldn't have Dalton dropping back too far. You know, I'm looking for looking for quick passes, quick outs, some slants. You know, that, that line just has proven they, they can't protect him adequately. So, yeah, I'm looking for him to get rid of that ball quickly and, you know, make the adjustments they need to. Let's move on to the defense now. So what do you think are going to be the factors defensively for the Cowboys? What players should the Bengals be watching out for? You know, what are you thinking in that regard? I, I love our D-line. You know, I mean, they 
they consistently get in there and get pressure on the QB. So yeah, if I if I was the Bengals, yeah, I'd be I'd be watching out for my linebackers and my uh, my D my D line, especially especially with that Bengals offensive line. I mean, they they can have a field day. And then moving on to the Cowboys and the overall picture. I know in your division, you know, the division leaders under 500. Some of the teams are struggling there. You guys are kind of still in the race. What do you see as the Cowboys' chances of making the playoffs this season? I'm a Cowboys fan, but I'm not one of those delusional Cowboys fans. So, you know, I'm going to be realistic about it. I do not see us making the playoffs this year. I think that the Giants and the Washington football team, have stepped it up a bit in that division. Um, Washington coming off a big win off of Pittsburgh and, you know, uh, dominated a very good Steelers team. So I'm going to look, I'm going to look for Washington or New York to take that division. I just, I just don't see the Cowboys stepping up and taking over that division. Not, not, not this time. And I hear you. I mean, it's kind of the same situation with the Bengals. So with that said, when you're watching these last five games or so, are you thinking, hey, I want to win the games, you know, that's that's more fun for me, or wow, I, you know, I'd rather get a top five, top seven pick in the draft to really, you know, maybe rebuild the offensive line or get another skill player? Like, what's, what's your mentality when you're watching these games at this point? You know, it's, you always want your team to win, but you know, that, that part of you that's thinking ahead to the future is thinking draft picks and just just based just based on how the season's been going, you know, I think they're gonna be I think their record is gonna end up being such that they're gonna be in a really good position to get some get some top draft picks. Um yeah, it's it's unfortunate. You know, we've we've always, always had that good offensive line under, you know, especially in the Jerry Jones era. You know, it's just been a staple of Cowboys football, just a very dominating O line. So, you know, it's it's kind of frustrating that we don't have that and we're gonna have to look to to draft offensive linemen. You know, it just seems it just seems every year, you know, we get we get deficient in an area and then we got a draft and then we get deficient in another area. So yeah, it's, it's, it's been tough. Yeah. It turns into a vicious cycle. I mean, the Bengals have been, exactly. I mean, the Bengals have been trying to repair their defense for a long time and now, you know, the offensive line has become a big issue. Now, if you're comfortable talking about it, what's your opinion on the Cowboys management at this point in time, you know, based on the things that you're saying about how they've drafted and, and the way the organization has been going for me, it's it's been a tough go. I feel I feel like the Cowboys have not had a real coach since Jimmy Johnson was let go or you know quit. However you however you want to spin it, I appreciate Jerry as an owner for the things he does for the team financially. I mean he he built a beautiful stadium. You know he takes a lot of pride in the team. But I've just never thought he had a football mind good enough to put a winning team out on the field. I mean, they, they've come close a few times, but they've never been able to get over that hump. I mean, to me, Jimmy Johnson was the last thing resembling a coach. Um, back-to-back Super Bowl wins, had he not been fired, you got to seriously put them in contention to three-peat. Barry Switzer comes in. You know, I still consider that a Jimmy Johnson win because it was his it was his core team and system there. So yeah, um, it's it's been it's you know been a long frustrating run with 
the Cowboys and their and their management. So uh, the Joneses aren't going anywhere. I you know I know that. I, you know, doesn't hurt to wish, but I think I really think they need they need a true GM. You know, a good football mind, young, fresh football mind, young, fresh coaching. You know, I, I just, I'm not a big fan of recycled coaches, you know, coaches that have been around the league for a long time. You know, I know McCarthy won a Super Bowl with Green Bay, but, you know, aside from that, um, I'd rather see like young talent brought in. You know, I like, uh, you know, I like, you know, what the Rams did, like, like a Sean McVay and uh, the Eagles too, you know, bringing in, bringing in a young, you know, a younger coach. It's just time for a change there. Wow, CDG. Excellent takes. I, I really appreciate you coming on today, my friend. Oh, yeah. Happy to do it, man. X's and O's with Sans. All right. We're here with Sans. Sans, how are you today? I'm doing pretty good. How are you doing, Frank? All right, my friend. Good to hear from you. So what are you thinking of the Bengals strategically and everything that they're doing at this point? So it seemed like we, offensively, we got away running the ball. We got away from the outside zone that the Rams love to use, and everybody would think that's what Zach Taylor wants to build his offense around. That was what he wanted to build his offense around, around because it can lead you to naked boots, leaks, all these other plays that the Rams love to run. And, I mean, when you have the right guys for it, it's great. But we're running outside zone for two yards per carry. So it's not been great. And we've gotten away from it. We started a whole bunch of different run plays that are working pretty well. This week we went back to it. And it made no sense to me because the Dolphins came out in a defense specifically to stop it. So it makes sense. Like, okay, we're not going to run that. We haven't been running that in weeks, really. We run it a couple times, but not not like half of our run plays are outside zone. And we had one one of them gained 10 yards per carry, but including that play, we went for two yards per carry on outside zone, which is just pathetic. That's terrible running. But you take that out, and it's less than one yard per carry. So I don't understand why we keep going back to it, but I thought we were done with it, but we're, we're right back at it. It's not a play I'd want to remove completely because I do love everything you can do off of it. But when it's this ineffective, we can't build our offense around it. It has to be more of a play that we just sprinkle in there and sprinkle everything off of it. That's frustrating for me to watch. Just go back into that. Other than that, I really love the one play call that we had that got Boyd the touchdown. It's really simple. It was just a real, like a pick play where Boyd ran to the flat and the tight end. He's not even really running a route. He's just blocking the corner. The reason I love that so much is the Dolphins came out with that same exact look where they had their linebackers walked up on the line on the last drive, and we tried to run a different play off of it, and they blitzed everyone, and they got home, forced a bad pass, incomplete, and we had to punt. Same situation on third down, or was this fourth down? Same situation, basically. Short yardage, high leverage, third, fourth down, and they come out with that same look. I wouldn't think Brandon Allen has the ability to make a complete audible. Maybe he's able to kill a play and call a second one. But I would think that Zach specifically called that based off of the last drive. And it's just a perfect play for it because it's really only there to gain a yard or two because it's a pick play he should be able to free up and it forces the cornerback to go around the top and make the play three, four yards downfield. But Byron Jones, for some reason, thought he was quick enough to go underneath of it. And Tyler Boyd's able to get him lost in that uh, in the block from the tight end, which Drew Sample has kind of been what we thought 
he, we kind of hoped he would be. He's been a great blocking tight end lately, and he's got a decent pair of hands. I don't know if he was still worth that second-round pick, but it looks like he could be a tight end for the future, especially if Uzama comes back well. We could have two pretty good tight ends. But anyway, so he runs around that, and now there's nobody there. He's got a free run to the end zone. And like Frank was saying on the earlier pod, he's weaving in and out because he's not an extreme blazer. He runs like a four six forty. But he's fast enough to get there, and then he's got the—he's a smart receiver. He's got the smarts to weave in and out and make sure that nobody's just able to catch him from behind. I don't know if we've done that this year, really, where we saw this look on a, the previous drive. It's usually something we should be doing. I don't know if we've done this specifically, where we saw this look on the previous drive, and they're giving the same exact look. We expected it, and then we ran the perfect play against it which is what you want your offensive mind, offensive coordinator, head coach to be able to do. And it's just one of the things where I've talked about before where Zach Taylor has these moments where you're like, wow, I can see why he was hired. And then he also has the most, we ran half of our run plays were outside zone and we're going for two yards of carry. The entire year we're going for two yards per carry on outside zone, not just this game. Yes, yeah, Sam, that's a little bit of a quandary. It seems like we're calling great plays in one aspect and then we're, we're kind of just going back to some things that don't work in another aspect. I, I don't really get what's going on with that. We haven't been effective at all after the half in any game. We started out this game running a lot of those pooling guards, different plays like that, not outside zone, which is just zone stepping and taking the guy. If you're covered, take him. If not, work to the next level. When you do that and they have five guys over you, you're covered. So nobody's working to the next level, and the next level he's free to go make the play. And that's what kept happening, either behind the line or at the line. It was one time it worked, and that was because they didn't line up in a formation like that. And then uh, Hart actually made a great play to get to spring that one outside zone. He was able to reach a guy that in Spain helped him. Spain blocked him, held him up so Hart could reach him and turn and seal him off. And then Spain sealed the second level. We went for 10 yards. It was great. But we're hardly doing that. That was one of our best runs of the year on outside zone. Inside zone's been great, too, so it's not just zone running. But we didn't really run it. So, yeah, I expressed our frustration with outside zone. So, early in the game, we were we ran, like, one or two of them, and that was about what I expect lately, is to just sprinkle it in there once in a while. And then late in the game, it was like every run play was an outside zone. It wasn't working. It was banging our heads off of the ground and hoping something changed. Frustrating to watch a play caller do something like that while also having these good play calls. Yeah, so Sands, in analyzing the offensive line, I know I was a little hard on Jonah and maybe a little too complimentary on Spain. I know you, you saw a few different things. Can you break that down? And also, can you break down the Bobby Hart play that everyone's criticizing? Yeah, specifically that Bobby Hart play that, and there's two that went viral, but one went really viral on these national Twitter accounts and stuff posting, Bobby Hart, this is uh, your... 2020 Bengals offensive line and we've had terrible communication and that's no different but on that play that was a slide uh, almost a full slide to the right that's what we call uh, jet protection where four men slide to the one side and the other side which was Jonah is one on one sealing off the other side everybody slided over except for Quentin Spain so that's really on Spain and the guy he was helping on Trey had him you have to block the unblocked man Bobby was, uh, his man was a guy on the outside that dropped into coverage, but you need Quinton to at least block him a little bit before Bobby's allowed to, because he's, 
I've talked about before, he's not an extremely cerebral offensive lineman. He's more of a workout guy, an athlete. So he's not going to see him drop off and immediately pick up the guy inside. And that's not his guy anyway. So he'd be covering up Spain. So Spain needs to step right and take his man pre-snap. I don't know what he was really doing. Maybe that's because he was on the right side instead of his normal left side. But it just seemed like he missed the protection call that Trey made. And Trey made the right call. So everybody's blaming Bobby for it but because he didn't block anybody. But that's on Spain for not blocking his man. If Spain blocks him a little bit, Bobby probably gives him help, and then we're completely clean there. Instead, it's a big pressure. And then another play, the one that got Jonah hurt, Bobby, again, didn't do anything really that wrong. He should have helped a little bit more, but it's on Spain for not passing off his man. It was a tackle and stunt, a tech stunt, as they would call it. And that means the tackle's going to crash first, and the end's going to loop around. And that's how you're going to explain any stunt. If it's TE, that just means the tackle's going first and the end's looping. If it's an ET, it's the other way. The end crashes and the tackle loops. So it's a TE stunt. The tackle's crashing down, and Spain never passes him off. You're supposed to give a good punch, a push. Push him outside where he want, where he's currently going. Push him further outside to your mate on your next side, which is Bobby. So Bobby can take him. Bobby has nobody to block. If he goes chasing after his looping guy, he's just going to run into Spain. There's nothing he can do there. So they end up, and we've struggled with stunts a ton this year. It's been one of our biggest problems besides a couple guys' inability to block anybody one-on-one. It's been one of our biggest problems. So again, it bites us again. A normal tackle and stunt, we see these 10, 15 times a game sometimes because we throw the ball a lot. And we can't, we can't block it. The only guy that's been able to block these tackle and stunts and, and tackle stunts has been Jonah and sometimes Jordan, but Jordan even struggled with it this week. He didn't recognize it, and he gave up a, a sack to Van Noy because Trey couldn't pass him off. He tried to, but Jordan was – he never stepped back. He never got any depth on a passing set on third down on a long on a long pass. So – I just don't know what he was doing there, and I don't know what Spain's been doing there. Our guard play and pass protection hasn't been great. And, well, I think Spain's solid, especially in run blocking. And I, I think I think about the pass protection too much, but Spain's been a great run blocking, so I will give him that. It's just in pass blocking, he just has these communication and mental errors that you would hope that an NFL vet wouldn't have these problems. And it could be because he's on the right side and he's missing communications or he's hearing something and he's thinking as a left guard. And Jonah, while he's, I thought he did a great job pass protecting this week. He did have a terrible game last week, but this week I thought he was good in pass protection. He hasn't shown much as a run blocker, really. I think he can improve on it. He's a light guy is one problem. So he's not able to maul people. He's got great technique, especially in pass set. And just me personally, I I prefer these guys be great pass blockers than run blockers because it's twofold. You're, one, you're helping your pass game, but two, you're protecting your quarterback. And we saw that this year. And we see that currently. Brent Allen got hurt because we can't pass block. I don't even think our run blocking has been atrocious. It's been bad, but it hasn't been as bad as our pass blocking. And everybody's complaining about the offensive line because we're getting quarterbacks hurt and we can't run what we want to run because we can't pass block for more than one, one and a half seconds. 
So, and that's just my opinion. I know if we ran the ball really, really well, we get some more of these Quentin Spain type guys that could set up the pass and stuff. Well, that's it, Sands. That's why you're here, man. The the deep analysis of all these plays, and obviously you're an offensive line expert. So let's let's shift gears for a second. What are you thinking about the Dallas game? You know what they present, and what you think we should be doing against them. Well, staying with the offensive line, I have my concerns. I know they're not. They've got Demarcus Lawrence, who doesn't put up amazing sack numbers, but I think he's a very good edge rusher. I think he's going to hit us for some sacks this week, especially with Jonah out, who was our best pass protector. And Adeniji's flashed, but I think he more is going to rush over Bobby's side. And I mean, like I just said, with these stunts, if they're going to run some stunts that way, and he's a freak athlete, you can't mess up. You've got these athletes where if you make a wrong move, this guy is so fast and quick that you don't have time to recover unless you yourself are a freak athlete, which I don't think really any of our offensive line are. So I think he might be able to hit us for some sacks. And on the other end, they're going to have Alden Smith if he's healthy who's been pretty good or Randy Gregory who's also been pretty good so they've got two edge rushers that are going to give us some pressure we don't have a quarterback anymore that mitigates this pressure you see that that we were doing decently well with Burrow not taking these sacks and now we're getting sacked five six times a game because it wasn't the offensive line that was making up so Burrow got sacked two or three times a game it was Burrow. He was able to move in the pocket. That was one of his best attributes coming out. So I have my concerns about the offensive line, whoever's going to be at quarterback. And then when you look at them offensively, their offensive line's been struggling a bit too because they're down so many guys. Tyron Smith's out for the year, I believe. Lal Collins has been out the whole year. Travis Frederick retired. Connor Williams was always the weak link. I've said it the past couple of weeks. I think Lawson can get some pressure, some sacks, but he hasn't been doing it lately. He's had easy matchups. Austin Jackson hasn't been good. Andrew Thomas wasn't very good before that game. So he's had these easier matchups, and he's not taking advantage of them. I don't know what's going on there. But I would be worried about these wide receivers because we're going to have – I think Darius Phillips is coming back, so he's better than LaShawn Sims. And I feel for LaShawn Sims, while he's getting picked on a ton, he was supposed to be like our sixth cornerback. So it's expected. Darius Phillips has been better, and he's flashed some great games. But he's got his work cut out for him with Gallup or Cooper. They're both good wide receivers. Especially Cooper is a technician route running and getting off of the line with release. I think that's a guy William Jackson does okay with. I've brought that up before. He, I think he does pretty well with those type guys where they're very good technically. Although he's been getting beat on double moves a little bit. So that could happen. But, I mean, you just think of, he used to, in every game, he used to shut down Antonio Brown. That's what Antonio Brown was one of the greatest of all time at, was his route running, his technique. I think he should be fine on Cooper. Gallup might give him a little bit of problems because he's more of an athlete and he's a jump-up-and-get-it type guy to me. And then you have C.D. Lamb, a rookie in the, I think he's been playing a lot of slot. I think their wide receivers could tag us for some yards, even with uh, Andy Dalton, at quarterback. And I mean... We know Dalton. When when we pressure Dalton, he crumbles. But when Dalton's able to sit back there and do whatever he wants, and he's able to make these pre-snap reads and go through them, he's been pretty good. So I think he could have a decent game. I think our run defense hasn't been that bad, especially on the defensive line. Hubbard's been good. And definitely want to shout out Mike Daniels. 
uh, I mean, he just takes on these double teams and he sheds them and makes tackle, makes a play, forces the running back to stop and get somebody else to make a play. It's been great for us. Seeing Mike Daniels be able to take these combo blocks and weather the storm and not get pushed back, hold his ground with his strength, and then once the one guy leaves, he's able to just throw the other guy aside and make the play. I wish Reader was healthy so that we'd have them both in there at the same time. Sands, love the analysis, my friend. Thank you for coming by. Yeah, thank you for having me. Oh, no problem. And you know, one last thing. How can people find you on social media? I know you're making a pretty big dent there. Some Bengals players are shouting you out. Some other podcasts want you on. I mean, you're in big demand. So how do people find you, my friend? On uh, Twitter and Instagram, I'm Bengals underscore Sands. And if you have been wondering about my credentials, I am now Mike Daniels approved as, <laughs> as a football student of the game. Handicapper's Corner. The unofficial Bengals podcast's current record is 14 wins, 20 losses, 41%. All right, I'm still hovering at 41%, which is definitely the way to not make any money if you're betting. But let's see what I can do this week. My picks are the Colts minus 3 at Raiders, the Saints minus 7 at Eagles, and the Texans minus 1 at the Bears. I wish you luck in whatever games you choose this week unless you're choosing Dallas. That'll do it for this episode. Next episode is going to be entirely dedicated to reviewing the Bengals-Cowboys game. I'd like to thank at Bengals Highlights on Instagram, the best page out there. Really cool highlights, really cool music, definitely something you should check out. And I'd also like to thank the Zedia Network, the network responsible for bringing you the unofficial Bengals podcast. You can find them at Zedia Network on Instagram or Twitter, and Zedia is just like the word media, only with a Z. Thank you for listening to the unofficial Bengals podcast. This is your host, Frank LaPlaca, and I'm a Bengals fan for life. The unofficial Bengals podcast.